So, Bezra Hashem, I was noticing some amazing things in this week's Parsha Miketz. This is Hanukkah 5783. So, in Parsha Miketz, we have the episode where Paro, Pharaoh, is having a dream. He has two dreams, which are one. And uh, he dreams first that there are seven healthy cows which come out of the river. <laughs> or they're grazing by the river, anyway. And then there are these seven thin, sickly cows that swallow them up. And now you can't see the beautiful, fat, healthy cows inside the... the because they're swallowed by the thin, sickly cows. What a miracle. Pharaoh wakes up. Then he has a similar dream, and he dreams of seven stalks of produce, corn or something, wheat, and they're beautiful and full and all are great. And then seven th- uh, sickly thin stalks of produce come and swallow them up. And now you can't see the, um, the beautiful, healthy stalks of grain of, of produce because they're swallowed by the sickly, scorched, messed up stalks of produce. And then... Yosef interprets the dream and he says there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine so you better store up all the produce during the seven years of uh, plenty so that you'll be saved up and store up for the famine okay but it struck me very powerfully that this is not just a story about a particular episode like this this is a prat a particular that is really illustrating a much, much more universal claw, a much more universal general idea. It says in the Gemara in Masechet Sota at the end that after the Chorban Beis Mikdash, after the temple was destroyed, every day gets worse than the next. Every day is worse. And we can see that on a literal level. Spiritually, generally speaking, the Jewish people are descending deeper and deeper into lower levels of spirituality. And in many ways, the world and its moral compass, in some ways it's much, much better, but in other ways, it's much, much worse, and it's getting worse every day. So the Arizal and the Leshem and the Kabbalists ask a basic question, because the claw is that every single day we are uplifting the fallen sparks of godliness, the fallen sparks of divinity that fell into negativity, that fell into the darkness of a world of hiddenness and every day we're lifting up more and more of these sparks and there's a limited number of them and there's a limited schedule for this project and after 6,000 years we'll be done Hashem manages everything that for sure will be done with this project of lifting up fallen sparks of divinity by the by the end of 6,000 years so they ask a basic question that means that every day we're, we are necess- necessarily, by necessity, lifting up more fallen energies. Because, as Elisha makes clear, even through suffering, even through sins, God forbid, even through apparent setbacks, this also releases the holy sparks. Don't try this at home. We never want to uh, unleash a spark through, a, through an Avera, through a sin, God forbid. But the fact is that even through painful negative occurrences, the sparks are also being released. Basically, when the spark is released through a sin, God forbid, there must be a resultant punishment. 
in order that the spark which was released in such a negative way will get cleaned and that's why we have punishments they're not god forbid that god's taking revenge but this is the necessary way to say we have a schedule we have to uplift and release divine energies and if a person chooses god forbid to release the energy through a sin then that person has to go through punishments to clean basically the spark either way the point is is that sparks are constantly being uplifted all the time so this makes no sense it should be that the divine light is just getting more and more powerful because what happens when you add sparks or fuel to a fire the fire just gets brighter and brighter and more beautiful and bigger and and so the light of mashiach the light of divinity the light of tikkun olam the light of Olam Haba, the light of, of perfection of this universe, should just be getting more and more bright. This doesn't make any sense, therefore. Why are things getting worse and worse every day? It shouldn't be like that. It doesn't make sense. We, sh- According to Kabbalah, according to truth, according to Chaklis Amos, according to the wisdom of truth, the universe is constantly improving. It's constantly getting more and more orderly because we're doing more and more mitzvot and more and more prayers and learning more and more and just the collective force of all the mitzvot that we've ever done should therefore make things better and better every day. Why are things getting worse and worse every day? The answer the Leshem gives and that the Sadiqim give is very tremendous and the answer is that it's true for sure in the inner Workings and in the inner dimensions of reality, things have never been better. We have been collectively adding holy sparks, holy edifices, holy additional adornments to holiness, to Hashem's throne. Pick whatever metaphor you want. There's lots to choose from. We've been improving and augmenting the inner spiritual worlds for a long time. And things have never been better over there. However... There must be an equal and inverse relationship to this such that on the immediate edge of experience, on the immediate, the immediate place where the world first impinges upon our five senses, the design is that that outer layer of experience was designed to get thicker and thicker and worse and worse. Meaning, when you watch a fruit grow, so the fruit is getting juicier and bigger and more sweet on the inside, but correspondingly, its outer shell is getting harder and thicker and darker. And that's necessary. Why? Because if the fruit were to just get juicier and bigger and sweeter, but the exterior didn't get harder to contain it, then the, co- the fruit would not cook properly, would not get prepared properly on the inside. And just like God forbid, you don't want a baby to be born too soon or else it's a miscarriage. So too, and therefore, the baby's getting bigger and bigger inside the womb. It's ready, it's getting closer and closer to coming out. It's more and more wanting to come out. 
Therefore, necessarily, there has to be an equal and opposite reaction of pushing back, containing the child in the limited space of its development to prevent it from, God forbid, coming out too soon. This is why reality on the immediate edge of experience is getting worse and worse. It's because there's a deeper and deeper burgeoning of Mashiach. There's a deeper and deeper burgeoning of salvation and perfection gestating inside like a child developing inside, there must necessarily be a stronger and stronger pushback on the periphery to keep it contained that it should not come out too soon in the wrong way. And this is why reality is getting darker and darker. And this is the illustration of Pharaoh's dreams. The sickly cows and the sickly wheat. Oh! My hovers had just driven by. The sickly cows and the sickly wheat is representing this force of the darkness holding back the burgeoning, developing holiness, keeping it contained so that it can develop and not come out in the world in a way that is very negative, which could, God forbid, cause the world to basically teeter and totter into oblivion. Because if good things leak out and seep out before the time is right, then a lot of negativity can grab onto that and cause major destruction. That is why the sickly things are swallowing up the healthy, beautiful things and and making them invisible and completely hiding them. And a couple more things about this. So why is this a universal idea? Because there's two dreams. There's a dreams of the cows, which in Hebrew is a par. And there's a dream of the, the stalks of produce, which in Hebrew is shibalim. So it, it became very clear to me that there are two basic energies we know in the universe. The energies of strict constriction or din or severity, which creates boundaries and limitations and containers. Darkness, basically. And then there's the, there's the expansive energy of kindness, of, of giving expansiveness. And that's like the, the produce. In Kabbalah, a par, a cow, there's this concept of, of par dinim, uh, of, of 280 judgments. It's, it's not something I can explain. And then, the, so that's anyway the, um, the why he had a dream of the cows, because that's focusing on the, the, the boundaries of existence that... Um, in the first stream, they are roe ba'achu. They are grazing in harmony. That's when the severities of this world coalesce into beautiful harmony. The boundaries and limitations and uh, uh, particular expressions of reality coalesce into beauty. That's the first stream of the cows. They are they are grazing in harmony. That's a good thing. But then that's swallowed up by by harsh judgments. And then the the produce. Okay. Um, the produce oh. again the produce is shibalim which is shvilim pathways because this idea that we've spoken about this before prior days are holy as we we're saying all the tikkunim all the repairs all the efforts all the mitzvot all the mesiris nefesh all the self-sacrifice and all the amazing efforts that we put forth to raise divinity out of confusion into clarity 
that is continuously growing but that relative to us is in the past but see the past the past is really avar the past is the avar is ebor is the growing fetus it didn't go anywhere just the opposite it is the growing real reality of eternity that is waiting and cooking to come out at the right time but we have these feeling we have these pathways that is represented by the produce because when we do mitzvahs we're drawing down a path between those burgeoning inner days that we think are the past but they're really just the ever present continuously growing like a, like an embryo we draw we draw pathways to connect to the prior good days we say renew our days like the days of old that means draw from Kedem, draw from a place that's so ancient that it's beyond time because it's really the collective efforts of our mitzvot and draw down through pathways into our days what are those pathways, what are those shvilim what are those trails, mitzvot Torah mitzvot so finally as the Zohar says, that the Yom Rishon, the Yom Echad, the first day of creation where Hashem created the light, is Yom Da'azil Im Kulo Yomei. It's a day that travels with all the other days. As the Baramayim Chaim points out, anytime the, the Torah says, Bayom Hazel, on that day, about a great day, like Passover is a great day, Purim is a great day, Sukkot is a great day, all, all our great days. He says, really, they are just the expression of the first day of creation where the light of Hashem was ever-present in reality. Every, any great day or any great moment is just an expression of that prior day. It's creating a pathway between that inner eternity and making it seep through a special pathway into this day. So that even though this day is swallowed by the, the sickliness and the negativity and the husks and the hiddenness, we can still make paths, pathways to draw it down the, the blessing into our day. Like threading the earlier days into this day to collapse them together and touch eternity again where the days and their separations disappear and we're touching a place that's beyond the separation of days. And finally, so... Why why does this happen as far as uh, why why does what is the story how does it how does the story of how Yosef interprets this particular dream Joseph and then he becomes the ruler over Egypt Joseph says this means that there's going to be seven years of plenty and then seven years of famine that is going to be so bad that it'll wipe out all the plenty that you never knew would have happened. So during the seven years of plenty, you better store up all the extra grain and save it for the seven years of famine coming up. So why is this a paradigm? Why is this a universal story and not just a particular story, but a universal story? Because first of all, Yosef as the Chacham, as the wise man, knows that there's a decree. Hashem has decreed history in advance, and he knows he has decreed for these seven years there will be years of plenty, and these seven years there will be years of, of tremendous lack, tremendous uh, poverty. It tells you that that's the structure. 
Now Hashem already in the beginning of time, He didn't just lay out those specific 14 years, but that's a paradigm to teach us that all the years of all history were already formatted from the beginning. That's how it goes. And it also teaches us, see what happens is because the seven really difficult years come later and create a tremendous boundary and a tremendous uh, constriction on life that we are very, very limited now because blessing is not just overflowing everywhere. What it does, though, is it's a good thing in disguise because it intensifies the, the blessing. See, what happens is because of that tremendous blockage in reality of that famine... All, Yosef becomes the leader, the, the tzaddik, the righteous man becomes the leader. Suddenly all of the wealth of the world, all the energy, all, all he's like a, a tremendous lightning current or electrical current that he's collecting all of the wealth in order to redistribute it. This is called tzaddik yisodolam. The righteous man is the pillar of the world. But by dint of what does that happen? What allows that all the wealth should concentrate into the hands of the righteous man, which is what we want, is that difficulty. That difficulty, that tremendous wall of a famine, actually creates an intensification of unification. The very, the very block and obstacle of a horrible famine creates an intensification of unification. That that is the mechanism by which now we're forced to admit that the wealth belongs to the tzaddik and that he should distribute it as he sees fit. Bezra Hashem. So beautiful things there.